Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo! <laughs> my foot with my own toenail so i could definitely use <laughs> i do that all the time i have nasty little hands and feet oh look at my my nasty nasty hands Work i also ruined them i told you how my toenails like my big toenails used to burst through my toms right yeah i told you how my pinky ones yeah. do they still do out of every pair of shoes i own the number of times i've cut my own foot with my own toenail i did it today like just an hour ago I'm glad I started recording. So now we have this. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have very cute band-aids, and everyone should know that. And I have long toenails, and everyone should know that. I'm just kidding. I really don't. I keep them nice and not long. They just are sharp. It's not my fault. No matter the length, they're like little knives. It's just your talons. So sue me. (laughs) Can't help it. I have long toenails. So sue me. (laughs) So sue me. I have long toenails. <laughs> Everyone's now gonna just be like, oh, Nikki, that one with the long toenails. They're a normal length. Okay. They are! <laughs> I'm like trying to show you them. Look at these normal length toenails. They're so normal. Ooh, so average. <laughs> Much normal. <laughs> Speaking of not normal, eh? we're talking about the Evil Dead. We're talking about the Evil Dead, yeah. The original, 1981. Or 1983, depending on... Yes. I don't understand. I can explain that. Okay, good. We'll talk about it later. Okay. Because <laughs> I did a good long Google on that. It was just like, well, do you want to watch the 1981 or the 1983? And I was like, I don't care. Like, I was like, aren't they the same? Guess we'll find out. Um, I have a few facts. Not a lot. Because this movie was a lot already. It was a lot. My brain is so tired from it. Here we go. This movie was directed by Sam Raimi, which we talked about a little bit because I was going on and on about how much I love the original Spider-Man. Uh-huh. Tobey Maguire is the best Spider-Man. Come for me, Marvel fans. I don't give a fuck. What's his name? What's uh, Andrew name? Garfield. He's great, too. Tom love him. Holland. Okay, Tom Holland's actually quite good. I'll yeah. give you all that. Tobey Maguire's the original. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, he directed other things. But I remember why I knew the thing about Tobey Maguire. Why? It's because that guy in Cabin in the Woods, I thought, looked like Tobey Maguire. <laughs> Which one? The black guy. The what? The, um... Oh, my God. You thought that that guy looked like... Remember? And you said you could see it? I said it was in the eyes. It was in the eyes. Yeah. It's true. Okay, I remember that now. I was like, why are you looking up Spider-Man things? You don't like... I any don't. Marvel at all. I don't. <laughs> I also don't really like any Marvel, except for Spider-Man and a few other. There's like a few random movies sprinkled within that I just like will watch and people get very mad. Because like, oh, well, do you know the context of that? And I'll be like, oh, absolutely not. Mm-mm. I just watch the ones that I enjoy. And that's about it. So don't don't come from Marvel, Marvel fans. I'm so tired. Marble fans. I was about to say, it's Marble and you know it. So <laughs> Marble, Marble fans, please. Please, Marvel fans. This is like the fourth time that we brought up Marvel and then been like, please don't yell at us. I'm yeah. so tired. I can't. DC fans, you can come for me. I don't care. Yeah. I don't give but a Marvel shit. fans, y'all are aggressive. <laughs> uh, whatever. Sam Raimi did other things, but he did the original Spider Man, mm-hmm. and that's what matters. Um, the cinematography was Tom 
It's either Philo or Philo. I don't know. And I didn't find any other information on him. It just had his name. And I was like, well, okay. He's a mystery. Yeah, they were all amateurs. That's so. kind of what I thought. And it sounded like they were all... Um, friends. Friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was like they were buds who were like, let's make a movie. And uh, that's great. And I think, what, what did I say very poor? Like, the movie got picked up because Stephen King was like, yeah. this movie's great. And then someone was like, well, Stephen King likes it. I'll buy the rights to that movie. So they did. Um, literally, I only had these three facts, I'm realizing now. So I have the budget and what it made, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, my nerd corner is a little bit longer than usual. Okay, good, because so. I was like, I have a migraine, everybody. That's what it is. I'm doing my best, but it's hard to read. <laughs> I had, but yeah. I'm ready. I had dental work yesterday, and I have a hard time opening my jaw, so... Both doing really well, we're doing what we're great. trying to say. <laughs> Can so... you tell that it's a Friday and not a Thursday? Can you tell, <laughs> listeners? Can you tell that we were both so tired yesterday that we couldn't record <laughs> our usual day? Could you tell? <laughs> okay, so the budget was 375000 Ah, which is more than I actually thought, because I... I for some reason was picturing it as like, we got $70. Let's see what we can do. <laughs> That's not the case. A piece of string, a quarter, and right? a cup. <laughs> let's one make movie really magic. Like, I swear I think I could do some claymation. And everyone was like, well, fuck, let's do it. Yeah. That's that's, the, that's how they did it. Um, so yeah, I had a bigger budget than I thought. This is where I got confused because when I saw, you know, when it says like, how much did it make? It said $2.7 million Or... 29.4 million. Well. And I was like, those are two very different numbers. Yeah. So like, what? And it didn't explain it. Next to like where I found it, it was just like, sorry, Goose is sniffing my foot and it, it tickles. <laughs> she might start licking your ankle. That's a thing she does. That's on you. My ankles are filthy. <laughs> but I love you. Uh, yeah. So I don't know why there's two different numbers my only thought for that is that basically as you mentioned like it was originally filmed and shown in Mm -hmm. 1981 and that was at like a theater that bruce campbell used to go to all the time as a kid and it was actually like hugely successful at that theater and like the turnout was way bigger than they thought and so like they did a bunch of like small showings and stuff but then two years later, it actually got picked up for distribution. Oh, so then they, like, released it again, and that's why. Yeah, when it actually went to, like, VHS. That would make more sense. Okay, so I'm assuming that's why it says or. All right. Neato! Yeah. And I know what time it is, and I've been thinking about this. Ooh. How to summarize this film. Um, some friends go to a cabin, and then it's just nothing but blood. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's... I want to say there's a plot, but it's just blood. It's a very loose plot. It is very loose plot. It's mostly like, in what way can we make these characters bleed? It has <laughs> an exciting they... incident, and then it just bleeds from there. Yes, yeah. it really does. It's just like, all right, so here's one thing, and now blood forever. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. <laughs> I was saying earlier that I don't dislike this movie at all, because I do like it. I've seen it mm-hmm. so many times. It just doesn't keep my attention super well because there's so little plot that I have like no emotional connection to any character that I'm just like eh. <laughs> to me this is one of those movies that you watch with other people and it's about yeah. the experience of watching it and I'll actually get into that with Nerd Corner okay, but have, have you seen Rocky Horror Picture Show? Yeah. Okay well you know how those like midnight screenings right. are like the thing. I can't watch that movie when I'm just like sitting at home watching it yeah. like I'll see the time warp and stuff 
but being among other people watching it is where the joy is. That's kind of what I assume because I saw this in theaters with a friend like recently, like a few years ago, mm. and I was like, "Yeah, this is great. Everybody was there. It was great. It was like fun." So then I was assuming when I watched it at my house, I was like, "Boy, I'm gonna have a great time. I love this movie." And then I put it on, and I was like, "Okay." <laughs> I was just so alone and so like there's no one here for me to be like wild right so I was just sitting there like trying my best to pay attention I was like oh is that oatmeal hmm pretty much I was yeah. just like oh oh she vomited milk again okay the Which, milk spurts man fair enough listen I'm lactose yeah. intolerant yeah. I get it I don't, yeah. I'm not lactose intolerant I'm allergic to milk isn't there a difference yes there is well I'm lactose intolerant you're allergic there it is <laughs> And together, we form an unbreakable bond. <laughs> okay, give me a real, a real summary of this. I'd like, I'd like to hear what a summary of this movie could possibly be. Well, <laughs> well. <laughs> so, this is from Rotten Tomatoes, as per usual. Ashley Ash Williams, his girlfriend, and three pals hike into the woods to a cabin for a fun night away. There, they find an old book, the Necronomicon, whose text reawakens the dead when it's read aloud. The friends inadvertently release a flood of evil and must fight for their lives or become one of the evil dead. Ash watches his friends become possessed and must make a difficult decision before daybreak to save his own life in this, the first of Sam Raimi's trilogy. A few qualms just with that. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. It, in this film, it's not actually called the Necronomicon. It's not called that until no. like later installments. It has another name that I don't remember. Yeah. Um, it, is, it means basically the same thing. Right. But, but Necronomicon was... I think the second film is when they actually call it that. Which is technically kind of the first, right? Isn't it? Yeah, I don't. Sort of? I think the second one picks up where it left off, but then I do feel like there's like time traveling and like force of evil or something. I don't know. Maybe I we seen should just rest. watch all these. Maybe we should just watch all of them. Maybe we we'll watch them. And then I just I think it's mischaracterizing it to say they hike into the woods. They do no hiking. They do no hiking. <laughs> they do no hiking. And I feel like it's not a fun night away. I feel like it's supposed to be a weekend, so fun oh, nights yeah. away. So I'm just very nitpicky about my summaries. And to you me, read this the summary feels, and you were like, uh-uh. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Already I'm having more fun with this movie just talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> I do, I, like, I don't want people to listen to this and be like, they hate the classics. I'm like, that's so not true. I do love this movie. No, I love this movie. Just watching it alone is so weird. Yeah. Because there's just like, what? Like, which is why like reading that summary is probably like, oh, I'm nitpicky because I just watched it by myself and had mm -hmm. a reason to. Yep. But when you're watching with friends, I'm like, I don't give a fuck what they're doing. Maybe they did hike. I don't know. <laughs> like, one of my notes was, this is a scientifically weak movie. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is. Some of those parts are also my favorite. Oh, I love it we'll so get much. To it. I we'll can't get to wait it. to talk about horror <laughs> just because like I took notes. I did air quotes because I, I kind of took notes. I mostly just wrote what? Like a lot. And <laughs> I can't wait. But I'm really excited for Nerd Corner because we were talking about this. Yeah. And I'm very excited to figure out. Well, you'll do it. You take it away, Kate. Take it away. I'm so excited. So as I was researching potential topics, I kept seeing folks talk about the status of The Evil Dead as a cult classic film. Mm -hmm. And of course, I wanted to know, what is a cult classic? What are frogs? What are frogs? It always has to. It, it always, just always. You gotta. Even if I don't intend to, I just say, what are frogs? What are frogs? So for a cult classic, like, are there agreed upon criteria? Yeah. I always want a list. That's what I want from life is a good list. Give me a list. list. <laughs> 
So I went on a search, mm-hmm. and it turns out there are a lot of definitions and ideas for what constitutes a cult film. Yeah. If you want to go with a strict but still fairly vague definition, a cult film was a movie, quote, at the edges of culture that boasts long-term commitments of fringe audiences. Oh, Usually okay. they were box office bombs or hadn't ever truly been released. Right. Or they were offensive and or banned, or they were bad, badly made, or both. <laughs> it could be all of the above. <laughs> Uh, Some definitions of cult films basically say that a well-financed blockbuster cannot be considered a cult movie because it's not existing, like, at the fringes of society because it is, like, mainstream made. True. But that's – some people say that, um, like, those – okay, basically this goes back to where some people say that, like, Titanic and Pirates of the Caribbean are cult classics. What? But those were – created knowing how successful they'd be and they were made with huge budgets and they had amazing resources right so like i am kind of of the opinion that movies that are made like that shouldn't be called cult classics they can be classics but we'll get into what makes a cult classic (laughs) i just can't i'm trying to picture like titanic as like a cult classic with the same kind of audience as like rocky horror it's funny. When the be- boat sinks, throw water. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Ice cubes rain from the ceiling. <laughs> Actually, that sounds kind of fun. There's one door and everyone fights for it. <laughs> this is These are what I'm guessing happens yeah, in Titanic. I've never yeah, seen it. I've never, I've never been to a screening, but no. I can only assume. So I, one of the articles I read said that like there were women-only screenings of Titanic or what? something. I know. I don't. I didn't read super far into it, but do you, do you want to hear a fun fact about Titanic? Always. Um, this is the this is the um, the creation of the clown meme that oh, Emily made. Yes, where I am dressed as a clown, crying. I mean, if you've seen that picture of like the cat trying to pick up the other cat, and the cat looks really sad, my friend made that of me. With a clown wig on, and then my mom picking me up, going, "Are you okay?" and me crying. We'll link it. We'll link it. Uh Um, So when I first saw the movie Titanic, I was like, I don't know. I had to have only been like six years old or seven years. I don't know. I was wearing a clown outfit because on Halloween, you know, I dressed as a clown and I convinced my mom that I would always wear my Halloween costumes like as pajamas to, you know, get the best Halloween costume. I was like, don't worry, I'll use it again. So I did. I wore this like weird clown onesie to bed. (laughs) And so I was dressed as a clown. I was watching Titanic. I had just just seen the part where poor Leonardo DiCaprio has just died. And I thought that this was real. And I thought Leonardo DiCaprio had died for oh, real. No. And I was weeping. And my mom was like, it's okay. It's a movie. And I went, but he's dead now. And she was like, yeah, but not for real. And I was like, yes, he is. Like she could not <laughs> convince me otherwise that this man did not die for this movie. I thought he was like, I was like, that man is committed to his craft. I had similar issues around that age of like telling truth from fiction. Oh, so couldn't like, figure it out. I used to watch the live action Nutcracker like on repeat for hours on end. My mom Love could it. not get me to stop watching it. <laughs> and she was like, maybe, maybe we should take a break from the Nutcracker. And I was like, you're right. They're probably tired of dancing. <laughs> they're probably so tired of dancing. <laughs> Can you imagine they're just dancing for you forever? <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. What a nightmare. If that was the case. Everybody in the movie Geppetto is exhausted. <laughs> again, Nikki? Movie, again? Like, please stop. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> Julia Louise Dreyfus is like, please, I don't want to. Don't make me fly from the sky again. I need to watch Geppetto again. 
You and I will watch Geppetto and then the Nutcracker. <laughs> They're going to be so tired of dancing. They're going to be so tired of dancing. Uh, I can't believe that I brought up Geppetto again. How embarrassing. Well, Continue with the cult classics. <laughs> Oh boy. Sorry. So I was saying that some people say Titanic can't be a cult classic. Can't. <laughs> but generally, the first round of research that I did showed that people tend to look at the fan base when determining whether something has cult film status. Yeah. So are the fans fiercely loyal and dedicated? And do they have celebrations and rituals around the viewing of a movie? The first movie that comes to mind for me is obviously Rocky Horror Picture right. Show. You want to talk celebrations and rituals, go to a midnight showing at a local theater. Rice, toast, toilet paper, and more will be airborne at some point. It's a good time. There's a lot of, like, call and response. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a absolutely wild time. I highly recommend doing it at some point when it's COVID safe. Anyway, I wasn't satisfied with, like, vague descriptions, so I did more digging and found a kindred soul. Oh, good. <laughs> Other folks have written a lot on what movies do or do not classify or, like, on how to classify a cult yeah. film. And I found a pretty compelling article that cites two definitions that are found on the cult film reader and cultography's sites. Those are two different sites. The first of the definitions is the shorter version. So this is a direct quote. A cult film is characterized by its active and lively communal following. Highly committed and rebellious in their appreciation, cult audiences are frequently at odds with cultural conventions. They prefer strange topics and allegorical themes that rub up against cultural sensitivities and resist dominant politics. Cult films transgress common notions of good and bad taste, and they challenge genre conventions and coherent storytelling. Among the techniques cult films use are intertextual references, gore, loose ends in storylines, or the creation of a sense of nostalgia. Often, cult films have troublesome production histories colored by accidents, failures, legends, and mysteries that involve their stars and directors. In spite of often limited accessibility, they have a continuous market value and long-lasting public presence. That's the short definition. Oh, God. Okay. And now the, this is where we get into the deep part. <laughs> this Gordon. is it. So the other definition is more involved. Yeah. It has the same idea of the previous definition, but it lays it out in more detail. So essentially there are four elements of a film that can situate it as a cult classic. Mm-hmm. Anatomy, consumption, political economy, and cultural status. And we'll go into each of those. So anatomy is the film itself. What is the content? What is the style? What's the format of the film? If you're looking at consumption, you're looking at how the film is received. Mm -hmm. So this is not only like how hard and fast fans of films look at it or participate in it, but like how general audiences and critics viewed it. Yeah. It also delves into the celebrations and rituals around the films. Now, political economy is, quote, the financial and physical conditions of presence of the film, its ownerships, intentions, promotions, channels of presentation, and the spaces and times of its exhibition. Mm -hmm. So when I talked about the way the Blair Witch Project was marketed, that was talking about the political economy. That was like a dissection of what were the intentions of the film, how was it promoted, where was it shown and why, how did they bring people in, (laughs) that sort of shit. And then finally, we have cultural status, which is generally the most focused on. Yeah. At least to me. So cultural status refers to, quote, the way in which cult films fit a time or region, Mm -hmm. how it comments on its surroundings by complying, exploiting, critiquing, or offending. And we talked about this some in our discussions of exploitation and the fourth kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jennifer's Body's marketing. Right. (laughs) And of potential societal critiques in Cabin in the Woods and XX, and how movies like An American Werewolf in London and Poltergeist are very firmly situated in the 80s. Right. So we've talked about this without really saying it. Yeah. And we have covered several cult classics, arguably. So a movie doesn't have to hit every one of these, but the folks that made the list basically said that films that have attained a cult status importantly tap into at least one of these elements Mm -hmm. and i gave an overview of each element okay but i'm gonna get more specific (laughs) 
So when we're talking about the anatomy of a movie, mm-hmm. we can look at innovation. Did it do something new? Badness. Was it a total dumpster fire like the rumor showgirls? <laughs> Trans- <laughs> We're talking about showgirls. <laughs> I can't believe you spoke its name. I know. I put that on my notes and I was like, this is going to break, Nikki. <laughs> oh, God. The fish dancing. <laughs> that was great audio. God, I'm dizzy. <laughs> so that was badness. What about transgression? Does it just totally flout the rules and conventions of the genre or does it flout the conventions of the craft through like crudeness or inventiveness basically is it transgressing in some way yeah and then genre does it blend genres like alien or does it serve as a satire of the genre like blazing saddles intertextuality we talked about this with cabin in the woods where it is always like talking about talking to other films and bringing them in Mm -hmm. and there's a moment in this film that's like oh this was obviously where the cellar door pops open randomly (laughs) i was like oh that's like a carbon copy anyway yeah And then, does it have loose ends? So does it leave you wondering what happened? Does it refuse to tie up the ending in a neat little bow? Does it abruptly end like an American werewolf in London? Oh, right! There's also nostalgia. So does it make you yearn for an idealized past, like apparently Casablanca does? I don't know. I've never seen Trek. (laughs) I've never seen Trek. I've never seen Trek. And time travel. Does it offer multiple interpretations because of dizzying, overlapping, strange timelines? Or the way you rewatch it is different than the way you originally watched it? And then is there gore? Oh boy, is there? That one's pretty straightforward. Hella blood, goo, that sort of stuff. <laughs> so that's uh, just the anatomy. Yeah. Now let's get into consumption. So first and foremost, one of the biggest parts of consumption is active celebration because mm-hmm. that's what takes it past a good night at movies and like communion and community and lived experiences right. are what make a cult film like that's how it gets past that initial like oh that was cool that was fun that's what continues like seeing it has to be an event Mm -hmm. so do people gather to watch the film do they celebrate their shared passion do they feel like they're part of it both the community and the action Mm -hmm. so like in rocky horror picture show you're part of it because like at the screening i went to they had the movie playing like on the screen but they also had actors yep and then they had people that would run through the audience. Right. And like yeah. they had people do call and response. And then you are engaging too. Yeah. Like you're throwing things. You're yelling that's, things back. That's how the room is as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oh, very room. interactive. <laughs> yeah. And then is there commitment? Are there cons, events, associations? Oh, yeah. You can also look at rebellious attitude. Do the fans consider themselves as outsiders of society? Do they perceive themselves as rebellious and transgressive souls that push the envelope? And then there's also alternative canon. That last one really threw me for a loop because at first I thought it was like this communal lore building outside of the actual text of the film, Mm -hmm. but it appears that it's broader than that. So cult film watchers curate an alternative canon of cinema at large. Like, cool, you saw Avatar, but did you see Eraserhead? Or like... (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Come for me, fans. What movies are on their lists as essential viewing? So, like, yeah. some people will be like, oh, my God, you have to see, like, Saving Private Ryan. I don't know. I'm naming a bunch of movies I've never seen. <laughs> You're also naming movies that I haven't seen. I'm like, Saving Private Ryan. I've never seen that. Because I have seen Avatar, though, and I stand by I've it. seen Avatar. Sucks. Whatever. It's a carbon copy of... <laughs> you know what you did! <laughs> this is, like, the third time in a row that we yeah. brought it up, but it just keeps happening. It just I'm keeps sorry. happening. Yeah. I didn't even think about that when I put it in there. Anyway. Uh, what was it? So... When you talk to some people, like, they're going to give you the classics. Like, you have to watch Casablanca. Right. You have to watch this. And then you'll talk to, like, 
horror fans or fans of like The Room or Rocky Horror right. Picture Show, and they'll give you a radically different canon of movies. So yeah, <laughs> that's part of it. Oh. And then we have so that was the consumption. Now we're yeah. moving on to political economy. So there are production legends and accident accidents. So this is less about things like The Omen yeah. and more about like the careers of the directors, writers, and producers. So like, was this movie successful and the next one a huge flop? Or like, was this a wild ride? I don't know. It's less about like, oh, someone died filming. Right. Well, it does have that too. Anyway, I got in like a real loop with that one. But um, it also, like the political economy is also involved with stardom, which is apparently mm-hmm. different from celebrity. So it looks at the tragic and strange lives of people like Judy Garland, Elvis Presley, Bella Lugosi. So yeah. it's very focused on like tragic and strange circumstances around the actors, especially B movie actors. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. This like the first half of this one was very strange to me. And I was like, I am not super familiar with this. The second half is where I start to understand it again. <laughs> so promotional, special events, and limited access, both successful and intentional, and unintentional and just failed attempts at edgy promotion. <laughs> And then you can also look at reception-related tales and tales. And that's T-A-L-E-S and T-A-I-L-S. Mm-hmm. And I had to do a Google for that one, too. <laughs> and that's basically speaking <laughs> to the way it keeps up constant demand for the movie through franchises and location within niche, niche and or fetish communities. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. That one can get into strange territory, but basically. So the political economy has like production legends and accidents, stardom, promotional special events, limited access, and the reception related tales and tales. Yeah. So those are the components of political economy. And then cultural status. (laughs) So the first one, or the first two really, I'm like peeved about, but it's objects of curiosity and cultural sensitivity. Yeah. So with objects of curiosity, it's like films that are very rooted in cultural practices that we're unfamiliar with. Yeah. So it's like if the examples they gave were fairly problematic because the movies were problematic, not because the writers of the article sucked, but it's basically like if you watch a movie about a culture that you're utterly unfamiliar with, it's going to hit different because it's very strange to you and like the practices that seem normal or routine are at odds with how we perceive society moving uh and then cultural sensitivity i really hate this one so do they expose or exploit sensitive topics and forms of violence like animal cruelty misogyny and racism because i hate when it's like oh it's like uh sensitivity training because no it's not sensitivity training it's not about being sensitive yeah what and like that's just a framing that i don't like because it makes it seem like this very emotional touchy-feely like only soft people care about other people's feelings where it's really just about like treating other beings with respect a decent person yeah so they're like no they're sensitive because they don't want me to make fun of them like like, (laughs) the same issue that i have with the term political correctness and like pc because it's like there was there was a plugin for Chrome that I downloaded ages ago, but it was basically every time uh, it found the word political correctness, it would replace it with treating people with respect. And it's like, <laughs> is treating people with respect running out of, like, <laughs> running amok? Is treating people with respect killing people? <laughs> and so it just makes it really funny. So, like, I. That's incredible. Yeah. So when it says, like, cultural sensitivity, I. I just don't like the phrasing because I think it's an elision of responsibility and I don't think that it's really focusing on the issue where it's like, these are forms of violence. And we'll get into that a little bit. 
And then there's also subversiveness Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, the cultural status. So that can also be called, like, political – politically dangerous or political dangerousness, however you want to say it. But basically, that's the one I love to focus on. And we've talked about it in relation to satire. So Mm -hmm. remember when we were talking about satire in Cabin in the Woods? Yeah. And it was basically, like – to be satire, it has to create critique the dominant narrative. It has to like point out our flaws. Well, um, this article explores subversiveness in cult film, saying that, quote, a common tool in the politically inspired cult film is that of deconstruction, of breaking down the cohesiveness of official culture by exposing its incoherencies and prejudices, and by celebrating lapses, breaks, and gaps in its discourse. And so it's basically saying like the subversiveness of a film can lend it cult film status by saying like it was pushing back against dominant cultural narratives it was like asserting its space and the space of other people so that's one that i like really stand behind (laughs) love subversive stuff um if it's you know pushing a narrative of justice but that's the longer definition (laughs) all of that was the longer (laughs) definition (laughs) yeah that was longer yeah so just a bit you know uh where does that leave us with the evil dead well if we want to go through from, like, the beginning, it ranks real high on the gore charts, obviously. Woo! In fact, it was originally Off labeled dirt. a video nasty in the UK. That was, like, a phrase that they had, which was usually reserved for films that were excessively violent, disturbing, and or pornographic. Mm-hmm. And at one point, they called it, like, video nasty number one because it was, like, topping the charts, and it was also a video nasty. Video nasty is so funny! Yeah. I'm going to start calling things that. And then if we, you know, we've gone past the gore, we already know about, like, some of the other stuff. So if we want to look at, quote, cultural sensitivity, again, should euphemism to me, but whatever, we definitely see it doing that and, like, transgressing in that way in the infamous scene with Cheryl in the woods when she is sexually assaulted by a tree. So is that scene capitalizing on that sort of violence for shock factor, or is it highlighting true evil by connecting sexual violence with ancient evil beings? I lean heavily on the side of saying it's exploitative, and I hate that scene. Yeah. <laughs> I think it shouldn't be in there. And Sam Raimi has actually said he regrets that scene. I have a direct quote from him saying, like, I think it was unnecessarily, nope, I think it was unnecessarily gratuitous and a little too brutal. My goal is not to offend people. It is to entertain, thrill, scare, make them laugh, but not to offend them. I think my judgment was a little wrong at the time. I don't think that's a good apology <laughs> because no. it's not about offense. It's about trauma and exploitation. But yeah. anyway... So that's where you can look at the Evil Dead being cemented in this, like, cult film canon because it does transgress in that way because it radically pushes against cultural sensitivities. Yeah. It was also very inventive and bold. The cast and crew were surprised by Raimi's use of Dutch angles to create tension and feelings of wrongness. Mm -hmm. And I had to Google because I was like, I think I know what this is. (laughs) A Dutch angle is basically when the camera is tilted on the Mm X-axis and it's often used to reinforce or cause feelings of uneasiness and disorientation. Mm -hmm. And boy, does Raimi use them. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And to get those wild shots through the woods, affordably, because shoestring budget, more or less, uh, they mounted a camera on a piece of wood and two cameramen, or Raimi himself, just ran with it. I knew it. Like, literally ran with it through the I marsh. I <laughs> knew it. I was going to talk about this. Yeah, so we're seeing it tick off boxes, at least one or two boxes on each level of, yeah. like, the four elements that we talked about. And it clearly, like, taps into that. But I'm also interested in more than that because I didn't want to know just, like, what makes a cult classic, but do cult classics expire? 
So Interesting. does the status change over time? How? As we discussed, one of the tenets is transgressiveness. But that's dependent on cultural norms. And cultural norms change. So does the relevance diminish as it ages? Does it become less transgressive? Mm-hmm. And then does it become less impactful? Or is it appreciated through the years for what it did at that time? And a lot of people have also questioned whether streaming has killed the cult classic. Because community and celebration are like a huge part of cult fandom. And sometimes those midnight screenings were the only time that you could see the film. Right. Because you didn't have DVDs. You didn't yeah. have like tapes. You didn't have a way to see it in your home. You had to see it at a screening. And so the only way to see it was communally. But now we can watch it on a whim if we have the right streaming platforms at our disposal. And I'm inclined to say that technology isn't killing the cult classic, but no. morphing it. It's just we share it differently. Like Rocky yeah. Horror Picture Show was passed on to me by my dad. And I shared that with my college friends to like pass the torch. We didn't go to like the screening when I was in college, but we all watched it together. And it was like this communal thing for us. And in high school, I did go to the midnight showing. And that was well after the time that we had access to DVDs. <laughs> so clearly it's still living on somewhere yeah. in our hearts and minds. But I just I keep thinking about cultural relevance and whether cult films from like the 60s and 80s are still popular because they're part of the alternative canon or because people watching them now without the context of their status still feel drawn to them. So if I had seen The Evil Dead and didn't know that it was like a classic, what would I have thought? That's true. And that's something that I just keep thinking about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's society. I wonder that too. And I know know we're on to horror, but I... What I, I just, cause like, like we just talked about the beginning, watching it alone. I was like, okay, (laughs) it was fine. Did not keep my attention, even though it's buck wild. Mm -hmm. Like it's a buck wild movie. It should keep my attention, but it's so buck wild that there's just, after a certain point, I can only see so much spewing blood before I'm like, oh, we're still, we're on the blood Oh, it's still bleeding? Cool. But if you're with a friend, that's hilarious. Like, cause like we just recently watched trolls too um as a group because well patreon yeah, plug right a, now yeah. we have a simul watch thing where we watch movies in our discord and we all talk about them and all together we watch trolls too and like if i was watching that movie alone i probably wouldn't give a fuck i would have no idea what's happening yeah. i'd be confused i'd be like okay whatever but watching it with everybody i was like this is amazing mm-hmm. <laughs> like that was a blast yeah but i same with evil dead i don't think watching it alone was uh as fun yeah so yeah i don't think i would think this is a classic if i didn't know (laughs) and i just keep thinking about like the politics of the 80s and it's like some films are so firmly like of their time right that it's incredibly relevant nostalgic for folks that lived through that but for me born a decade after the movie released for like 80s movies, right if i didn't know that it was a classic movie how would I have perceived it? Would I have given it its dues as other people think it deserves? Or would I have just been like, okay, whatever, it feels out of touch. It feels like it's kind of like missing the mark or it doesn't feel relevant to me because right? things that yeah. are transgressive then are like queer like queer people exist. And what? Yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, what part of like a Rocky Horror Picture Show was transgressive? Well, the sweet transvestite from Transylvania. Yeah. Transsexual Transylvania. Yeah. I think that's where he's from. Yeah, and maybe. So, yeah, sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't remember. It's been so long. Uh, but I just keep thinking about that, where it's like our expectations really do change how we perceive things, and how much of like the longevity of cult classics is dependent on 
like passing the torch. Yeah, yeah. In terms of that, so yeah. True. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. I wondered. I I'm, that was a lot to a lot to chew on. I gotta think about it. Deathfire. Huh. It's like I can't. I'll keep going forever if I talk about this movie because <laughs> it's just like I get. It's a classic, but it just doesn't feel like it when you're. I don't know. I don't know. Let's talk about horror. Yes, let's. Um, so you talked about it a little bit with the shots. That was, I tried to pay attention. I closed my book so Yeah, I was like, okay, she's done. <laughs> I'm done. No, I didn't mean to close it. I'm using my other notebook that just, it's not as, it's not my good notebook. Um, but you talked about it a little bit with those shots, with Dutch shots, is that what you said? Dutch angles. Dutch angles. Sorry. Also called like a Dutch tilt, and there are a few other words. Oh, the Dutch tilt. I don't hmm. know. I don't know the names of shots, but I did notice them. I was trying to pay attention to those a lot. I was like, okay, I know this movie has endless amounts of blood and gore and not a lot of plot, but I was like, I'm going to pay attention to the camera angles and the colors, and I tried. It was just, the colors were saturated. There you go. I mean, it was so cool. I mean, everything was like, pretty oversaturated and fun and wild but i feel like that's what you get for like a buck wild film like that you know mm. it's to be expected but i did really like the um the shots like driving in mm. it had so it had the dutch angles which was super cool like and i wrote it down i was like oh very disorienting so he did a good job because like the whole time they were like shooting behind them when the bridge is broken that's my favorite shot when the bridge is like broke and they're showing them like trying to basically look around it's shot from like the bridge behind sort of mm -hmm. underneath like some wood so it's like it's like you're in the broken bridge and you're watching them so instead of like seeing their reaction to the bridge you just see them walking away it's weird but it's so cool they had a lot of cool shots for such a low budget movie that is focused on just gore yeah <laughs> and it surprised me because obviously when I watch it, like I said, with friends, I don't pay attention to the shots. I'm just like, yeah, more blood. This is wild. But this time, since I obviously had time and I was taking notes, I was just really surprised by the very artistic angles of these shots. Yeah. Um. So the driving shot, it's so deadpan. They had so much like mix of deadpan like photography and cinematography mixed with these like Dutch angles that are so peculiar and weird what a, what a fancy word like i did last time what a juxtaposition <laughs> it's the word of the week um but yeah when you're driving in it's just like a straight shot of the car and that camera did not move for anything and i respect the hell out of that whoever was just moving with this camera it was getting smacked with branches and i was like hell yeah don't move <laughs> they didn't and I just couldn't stop laughing because the car is just driving and there's like no sound. Mm -hmm. It was so cool. I, I loved how like quiet it was. And the car is driving and this camera is just getting thwacked with branches. And it just felt like you were there, but not with them. Mm -hmm. It felt like you were something like an ominous thing that was yeah. like behind them and ready to like ruin their day. <laughs> Even though like no noise is being made. You know, they didn't establish you as a monster, but just the way it followed so close made you feel like, oh, something bad is coming. And you're like, mm -hmm. oh, is it me? Like, <laughs> it was just so cool because they do that at the end as well. Because mm -hmm. there's this ending shot where Ash has finally like got out of the house and he's like 
just standing there watching the sunrise and you're like, oh, he did it. And then you get the same shot of a POV shot of something, you don't know what, just coming from inside the house, going through the door, right to him and he screams. So it's like, you're back to the beginning where you're like, was I the thing? Am I the thing? Do you want to know how that scene was shot? <laughs> yeah, how? Uh, I need to like double check my notes, but I'm almost positive that that was Sam Raimi on a bicycle and he rode it I like top that. speed through the house. And that's so cool because it gives you this feeling of just like from the very beginning, it gives you the feeling of something is following them. Yeah, the final scene was shot with a camera mounted to a bike, which was quickly driven through the cabin to create a seamless long take. Cool, and I, yeah. and I love that, like, because that's how the beginning was too. I don't, I, I mean, I'm not saying they do the same shot like with the bike, but just the fact that they had this following shot, and it just like gives you this ominous feeling right from the start. And I love that it doesn't lose that ominous feeling once you know what's after them, because mm-hmm. like after you see all of his friends get, you know. Murdered by him, basically, when he's like, oh, they're demons now. Mm-hmm. Um, still, I was still like, oh, doesn't something's still there and it's still scary. <laughs> it's just, I loved that shot. I thought that was so cool. And they also used a ton of um, really cool, like, silhouettes. Yeah. Um, it almost felt like some of their lighting when they were outside, it felt like a lot of it was just lit by um, headlights. Mm. Which I'm sure, like, that's probably accurate. Right. Like, I was like, I'm sure at some points they did actually mm-hmm. have headlights as, like, their lighting. But I'm sure they had other things. But I love that they kind of did have it look like it was, like, headlights. So it almost felt like whatever was happening had this real feeling to it. Like, it it loses this feeling of being a movie. And it almost just feels like you're watching actual people just being trapped in the woods. Because they're only lit by, like, what is there, which is a car. So it was just so unsettling. I was like, ooh, they are trapped there. Sort of like the Blair Witch. How, like, yeah. the lighting only comes from the camera. So it gives you the sense of, like, this is real. Or the descent where, like, yeah, exactly. it's very intentionally lit. So it just had that similar feeling of, like, because it felt like lighting that anybody could have. Just, like, a car headlight. It just gave it this real feeling. Until, of course, it gets a little buck wild of course and then you're like never mind (laughs) but it's cool they had those both those feelings kind of mixed together in this movie Mm -hmm. um just going through my notes uh i wrote i love the card scene what card scene was there that i loved so much because i wrote it oh the cards okay so do you say card or card okay so it's when cheryl and linda oh i love this scene yeah yeah I, have to I love it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> for anyone who hasn't seen this, there is like a part where the two girls are playing cards and they're like trying to guess, right? Like which one's the right one? So Linda is like, I can psychically sense. Yeah. And Cheryl's like, you're doing great. Or no, Shelly is like, you're doing great, sweaty. And then <laughs> Cheryl suddenly, it's like, like demon <laughs> voice is like, it's an ace of spades. And yeah. like, what the fuck? And then she just names all the yeah. cards underneath And she keeps going it. faster and faster. And my favorite part is when, I can't remember her name, but one of them gets it right. And she just goes, Ash, I got it. Like, yep. <laughs> in this, like, and Ash is like, cool. Yeah, he's like, that's great. Okay. He literally almost says, that's great, sweaty. Yep. And then finally, she's like, yeah. And then you hear the demon, like, ace of spades, eight of hearts. And you're like, oh, geez. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Just the, the difference in both of them was so funny and so scary. Mm-hmm. I 
I loved that scene. Okay, thank you for reminding me. Yeah, I no, I loved I, that I scene wrote, so much. I was like, love this scene. And I was like, what scene? <laughs> um, I did love all the practical effects. Just because who doesn't love a wild practical effect of getting stabbed in the fucking ankle with that pencil? Yeah. And, <gasps> okay, so the, like, decaying deadite bodies was stop motion claymation. Yeah. And then the infamous tree scene was reverse filming. Whoa! Yeah, where they, like, had her, like, covered completely. Right, and, and then, then they like, took yeah. them away instead yeah. of, oh, that's cool! Mm-hmm. Hate that scene, yeah. but that's cool yeah. the way they did it. Um, but yeah, my, you know, my friend, when I first saw this movie in high school, my friend would always be like, I can't watch that scene with the pencil and the ankle. I can't. Uh-huh. It's too gross. And I was like, this that's must not be... the grossest scene. <laughs> not at all. And I watched it and I was like, he just must have a thing with ankles. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Because I watched it and I used to like look away. I'd be like, oh, you're right. It's gross. And then I watched it this time and I was like, what? <laughs> Absolutely not. It's, it's gross, but it's just so overdone to the point of like, it's funny. Yeah. I fully be. laughed when he just stabs in there and like moves that pencil around for mm-hmm. so long. Like he's twisting spaghetti. So gross. Loved it. Um, oh, I did like that. Um, is her name Cheryl? The first one to turn into a demon. Yes. Okay. So Cheryl, after she comes back from the woods, she changes clothes. Like she gets this like green shirt. This is such a tiny, tiny thing that like isn't important. But she gets this like green shirt and it makes mm-hmm. the makeup pop because mm. like she's got all this green makeup and these tinted things. Uh, yeah. So that was cool. Oh, I thought the sound design was really good. Yes. Oh it had my the God. juiciest so foley I've ever heard. About the sounds. Because I remember we were talking about poltergeist and you were like, I was I thought it was cool and then it was a lion's roar. Yeah. And I was like, well, I couldn't place most of these sounds. Nope. <laughs> um very juicy foley. I mm-hmm. like that it sometimes like it didn't perfectly match at time. Like there is a part specifically like where um the pipe has like blood in it or something and it's dripping slowly and then it sprays everywhere and it like almost like didn't kind of match but it didn't bother me at all because there was so much happening that it just kind of worked like i was like it's a little overdone but to the point where like i just kind of liked it yeah i didn't mind that it was a little juicier than it had to be because it was like because like if it almost wasn't it wouldn't fit because everything else in the movie is overdone yeah so if you had like perfectly done like just the right amount of like foley i'd be like eh, it's fine yeah, but because yeah. it's so like bleh, 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 yeah. like their noises are so that was a horrible example no that was an <laughs> excellent going, example <laughs> that's really but capturing like, what it that is. literally is like the noise like, very are, glorpy <laughs> yes very glorpy like that's yeah. the perfect word for it everything was glorpy even yeah. when it didn't have to be and i was like you you almost did have to though because it's so wild i loved it um one of my favorite sounds in the whole movie is that girl laughing. Oh, Linda? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's actually her, if she, like, laughed for that long, but if she did, props to her, because her laugh terrified me. Oh, it was terrifying, yes. And also, it was, like, it was almost funny, and then it, like, wasn't funny, and it was funny again. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, like, that thing where it goes on so long that it's funny, funny, yeah. funny, weird, uncomfortable, exactly. awkward, funny again. Literally, it hit so many. I was like, oh, okay. Okay, so let's get, well, okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part is when they shoot, like, from behind, so they, obviously, so, like, they can get the smartest way of getting him to hit her without having to actually show, like, because, like, it's hard to, like, make a hit look 
natural on camera. So they did it from behind, which is perfect because she has these big bouncy curls. And he's just like, thwap, thwap, thwap. And she's like, <laughs> the whole time. Listen to me. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> what? That's what it was. Thinking. I was laughing, but also so unsettled the whole time when she's just like, and he's just slapping her and she's like, and her hair was just bouncing everywhere. It was, oh God, that was my favorite part in the whole movie. Probably like, <laughs> I know we have a favorite scare, but if we have favorite moment, it's her getting slapped with the curls going everywhere. It was pretty great. It's so good. Um, so that's your funniest moment. Funniest moment. Yeah. Um, and then there's also the part where they start talking normal. Like, oh, yeah. Let, let me out, right Ash. Now. I was like, don't you fucking let her out. It's like she, there's no way that Cheryl will He didn't, right. did he? Does he try to let her out? Uh, he starts to like unlock or consider <gasps> unlocking the chains on the cellar. And I was like, no. Why? After all you the things dumb, that have happened. dumb, man. I was so, I was like, he better fucking not. When she's like, let me out, Ash. I was like, don't. Don't fucking do it. And I don't think that, I don't think he, I don't know. I was like, whatever, I wouldn't have. Um, also, my, I'd say after, like, the scenes with, like, the car in the beginning, my other favorite shot in the whole, whole movie is when he's dragging, whatever her name is, Linda. Curls, Linda, he's dragging Linda, and it's, like, a tracking shot, dragging mm-hmm. and dragging, and it's following her, and then it stops on the cellar, and she's just like, Mah! and, like, <laughs> growls from the cellar. Oh my god, I love that. Uh, one of my favorite shots in the movie is when he's like carrying Linda's body and mm-hmm. he's like preparing to bury her. Yeah. And you only see like his feet, like you see like hips down, and yeah. you just see his like awkward, hesitating steps mm-hmm. because he's like conflicted. And I thought yeah. that was like such a cool angle because mm-hmm. you don't need to see his like overwrought face, you just see his feet. Right. And he's like kind of stumbling, kind of unsure, like it's awkward carrying a body. Right. And I've heard, I don't know from previous experience, but I, I thought it was like actually a strangely poignant like shot. I, that I'm telling you, this movie was, it's strange because it has these like really beautiful camera shots and these beautiful, like has really pretty lighting for the most part. Like, I mean, it's relatively like, you know, just basic lighting, I think, when they're in the cabin. But you get moments of just, like, like the headlights and, I don't know. You just get some really cool stuff thrown in. So it's, like, not what you expect from a very gory, over-the-top movie. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, that that moment with his feet is just, like, oh, that's actually, oh, okay. <laughs> it just wasn't what I was expecting. I also liked the scene where, like, they're going in the cellar. Like, Scott goes down to the cellar and then... They're yelling for Scott and he's not answering. Right. And you're the camera's in the cellar looking up and it's just right. like blackness. And then you see their faces and like another face and they're all just kind of like gathering around like, oh, you're going to get out. I don't know. Right. And I just love that. And there were a few other moments where it's like, oh, we're the demon right now. Or like, we're the deadite. Mm-hmm. Like we are yeah. the evil currently because it takes that perspective. I love And it that. just like moved so quickly between those. Yeah. And like when Ash goes into the cellar at one point, I think it's when he's looking for Scott. The camera does a total like 360 mm-hmm. and it starts looking at him and then it starts panning to the right to show everything that he would see. Mm-hmm. But then it pans back to him still standing in that same spot. Right. I thought it was really fucking cool. There's so many cool shots. It For a movie that's just, you know, buck wild, it just had some really cool, beautiful shots. And this was Raimi's first feature. Really? Yeah. And he called it like his rite of passage, mm-hmm. partially because it was 
truly hellish to shoot. Oh, I heard. Uh, mostly yeah. for the actors. Like I read about it. Mm-hmm. I I have qualms. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with how he treated them, but we can say that for qualms. Yeah. Um, I just I didn't read about how they were treated. I just read that it was like hard to shoot. So it wasn't that Raimi himself was like cruel to them, but yeah. the circumstances and the conditions were bad. Like there was That's no running water. I, it was cold. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. So I started to kind of read it, and then I was like, I'll save it. I'll yeah. Save it. Um. Because it was actually just in, like, a remote cabin in yeah. Tennessee. So. Oh, no. And people, like, straight up did get injured. Oh, and, God. like, uh, what was it? R- this is from Wikipedia, so your mileage may vary. But Raimi, uh, this is a dark quote, Raimi enjoyed torturing his actors. Raimi believed that to capture pain and anger in his actors, he had to abuse them a little at times, saying, if everyone was in extreme pain and misery, that would translate into horror. Producer Robert Taper agreed with Raimi, commenting that he enjoyed when an actor bleeds. And so, like, Campbell, in a scene running down a hill, did trip and injure his leg. And Raimi apparently poked Campbell's injury with a stick he found in the woods. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, it's like, the conditions on the set were bad. So, like, the last part of filming, they were only doing outside scenes. They literally burned the remaining furniture in the cabin to stay warm. So like holy fuck, what? The conditions were not great. And so like the actress that I think played Cheryl has given like interviews and stuff and she kind of like has mixed feelings about it. Yeah. Because she was like there was such a sense of camaraderie among the actors yeah. and like with Raimi himself, but the conditions sucked hard and people got oh. sick, people got hurt. Yeah. Like jeez, I didn't know it was that bad. Yeah. I heard that it was like kind of, you know, rough and I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah. That sounds awful. Jeez." Mm-hmm. Well, that's wild. Um, what was I going to say? I, I mostly, most of my notes are just about the the shots of this movie. Yeah. That's really all I focused on. Because like I said, the plot was so, you know, it was such a fast, like, instant, like, what is it? Instigating scene? Is that what I'm trying to say? Inciting incident. Inciting incident. It was such a fast one. And it just kind of happened. And it was just like. You know, it, it just, like, they're demons. And so mm-hmm. I just didn't have a lot to say about the plot as much as I just this aw- the awesome shots. That's yeah. really all I focused on. I did, like, uh, the projector scene. Uh, as a projectionist, I do enjoy a nice projector in a movie. Mm-hmm. I like that it uh, caught on fire with a bunch of blood. That was great. <laughs> I've never had it happen, but, you yeah, know, I'm possible. wondering, when the blood is flowing across the screen... Would it actually make a red reflection or would it just be like a dark smudge? You know? Not a reflection, but like, would it translate to redness on the screen? Because it was like, oh, look at the blood flowing down the wall. I and I was like, the way light passes through blood, would it reflect the color of it or would it just be like a dark smudge? I don't believe that it would look red. Um, this was potentially I, where I said this was scientifically weak. <laughs> yeah, I... Because I've not had this happen, like, it's what? hard to say. Do you call yourself Richard Projector? I know. <laughs> what do you call yourself? What do you, what do you call me? <laughs> you call yourself pro, pro, You do it. I had I, I a little dress. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was a little kid. <laughs> Someday we'll release that outtake of me trying to say I was a little kid. Or I had a little dress. I had. I was trying to say I had a dress and I was a kid. And I was like, I had a little dress. I had I has a little kid panicked hard had to cut that out it was the worst i still have it so bad maybe i'll just throw it in just put well, it at the end <laughs> oh my god this shit it's time everyone can finally it's hear time. it time i has <laughs> um god i don't remember what i was gonna say oh i don't think that the blo- i don't think so because like okay the only i think the only thing that would make it like actually look red like that is if it 
got on the film itself and stained it. Ooh, okay. Like, that's, I, like, I'm trying to think, like, what would cause something like that. And I'm like, I, I really don't think getting on the screen would... It would just create a smudge. Yeah. Whereas, like, it would just be, like, a dark outline. It would outline just be a dark outline, obscuring. blurry, and and eventually just, like, completely obscured. I don't think yeah. it would look red. It would okay. just obscure. You wouldn't be able to see the, the movie. But if it got on the film, possibly? I, I mean, it would stop it from running. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it, at a certain point, it would just be like, this is fucked. But I guess, like, if it... Because, like, we have prints that get, like... um like damage from well, water but also just like yellowed from time and it looks a little like like it desaturates like the film a little bit i think like the older it gets you get like not as like crisp color so i would assume it would just stain it and make it look red that's my my guess if any other projectionists out there have uh experience with blood on your projector please let me know yeah let me know i'm intrigued but yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Cool shot though. Like oh, yeah. I loved cool it. Shot, I thought yeah. it was super cool, but I was like, I don't think that that would happen, but love it. Mm-hmm. I also don't know why I wrote this down, but I wrote, shut up, Linda. And I thought that was very funny. I think he says it at he one point. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I hope he says this. Um, He just like, shut up, Linda. He's so done at that point. Yeah. Like it, at first it was like, oh my God, I can't believe my friends are demons. And then slowly just turned into like, just, I can't. <laughs> like, just, I can't right now. Please stop. One of my favorite things in this whole goddamn movie is when Cheryl is a deadite in the basement. Yeah. And she, like, obviously the chains are not tight. Right. And Scott is getting, like, fucked up. And Cheryl's just, like, banging, like, yeah! Yeah! Kick his ass! Oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> I just love how, like, she's, she's like, just yeah! cheering on from the basement. <laughs> she's just so, I love, oh, my God. Have you ever seen the musical for this? No. I don't like musicals. I feel like I've maybe talked about that a little bit. I'm not a huge fan, but I saw this and it's actually pretty funny because a lot of it is obviously supposed to be cheesy. Mm. So you get a lot of that where like, so the way they do the makeup is they have these little masks that they wear that like kind of form to their face, but they can just take them on and off. So whenever they're like not demons anymore, they'll just take them off really quick and be like, oh my God, oh my God, sorry about that. Uh, so they have these masks and they put them on and then they'll just like rip them off and keep putting them on. And like, it's just hilarious how fast these actors can just be like, okay, I'm a demon. Yep. <laughs> but there's a part like where she's like in the basement and she'll just pop up really quick and be like, oh, hi. And like pop back down. So it's great. Um, so when you said that, I was like, oh my God, we should watch the musical. It mm, is I'd watch that. hysterical. Like, like I said, I don't like musicals, but I watched this one and it, and there is quite a bit of, there's a splash zone. If you're in the front row, they give you ponchos, obviously. Yep. So much blood. There's like a talking moose or something. We'll huh. have to figure it out, but it's wild. But yeah, they have that. Like that cellar is um prominent. Incredible. Oh, the water mirror? Yeah. Love that. That was trippy. I was like, I did not expect that. Okay. It was so cool and pretty. It, again, felt out of place where I was it like, did, these yeah. beautiful shots, this lighting, this cool mirror. Oh, that was so cool. He like touches it and it's like a reflection, like a mirror and then it's water. And I love how he just goes, ah! Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's the appropriate reaction. <laughs> exactly. I was like, most people, I feel like in horror movies, when they see something, they're like, whoa. I'm like, no, no, no. I saw that. I'd be like, I'm, I'm fucking out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite parts that feels kind of like lore-ish is that they really 
focused on barring the doors. And I was like, it has yeah. shown no respect for windows. It apparently does respect the sanctity of doors, but like really fuck those windows up. It and so really it's like, did. there are so many windows. Why are you like, I have to get the back door now. And it's like, there's a broken window right next to the front door that the dead eye could come in. Like, why are yeah. you so focused on like, the doors? And most of them were like already inside at that point yeah. too. So I was like, what's the point? Just stop. <laughs> You're wasting all these precious resources. <laughs> don't, don't. Uh, that that was all my notes. I okay. really just, I mostly just talked about the camera angles and how much I loved it. And don't get me wrong, the gore also. Like I haven't talked about it, but it is, it's something else. The oh boy, yeah. The, I'm, there's just so much of it that I was like, what do you talk about? You know, I can't pinpoint a moment other than the milk puke. That's like, Ugh. yeah. I have that a few points in my notes. I said, ah, it's milk spurt time. I see. Yeah. And then the next dump spurt. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of just colors and uh, you think it's just going to be blood, but they really trick you. There's like ooze. It's all colors of the, the spectrum. Um, <laughs> I, I was reading through and I forgot one of my other favorite things is that early on, mm-hmm. Ash will be pinned by furniture. That is like his role in every <laughs> yeah. scene. It's like if there is a shelf, it will fall on Ash. It will. And so it's like, oh, the shelf. <laughs> and so at one point, he was like running into a room, like looking for something desperately. And he was like, oh, there's a shelf. Your time to shine, baby boy. Like it's gonna fall on He's him. Gonna do it. He's like a magnet for it. Mm-hmm. And then I have like all oh, the blood-filled light bulb, bleeding oh, outlet. Love that. Just really went balls to the walls of blood. Literally, like they were like, where can blood pour out of? Mm-hmm. We're gonna do it. And I thought it was funny and like funny and like a inconsistency, but like not actually that cared about where right. what's it called? Uh, continuity error. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like at one point, Scott is like violently dismembering his dead eye girlfriend. Right. And just like you see sprays of blood everywhere. And then you turn to him. There's barely any blood on this bitch. <laughs> and the axe handle, no blood on it. I know. And I was like, it would have been literally slipping out of your hands. And then like... <laughs> Bruce Campbell, Ash, gets, like, literally drenched oh, with blood. this is what I was going to bring up. And then it's just, like, delicately <laughs> on his shoulder blades. I lost it at that part. Because he, like, it's the pipe that, like, I talked about. Yeah. The Foley, like, where it's so, so obviously it's just, like, pouring out. And then he walks out. His shirt has, like, a few on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, you yep. were just soaking wet with blood, like, a minute ago. <laughs> I loved it. This is like this is the kind of movie where it's like I don't care. No, <laughs> I don't. I truly don't care. No. I just whatever. <laughs> I love that shit. Yeah, and and like it brings me back to like this would have been so much more fun with friends because then you could all talk about it and like I don't know, you know. So I don't know how to. I'm like I know we're not there yet. Yeah, but I'm like yeah. I'm just thinking. I'm like, how would I rate this movie? Because I'm like, if I was with friends, it'd be super high. Yeah, and it's not gonna be low because it is fun. But I was like, man. It's just such a different experience. It's, yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is if you're going to watch this to listen to this episode, if you have, you know, roommates or something, if you live or you can safely see friends, yeah. do it. Yeah. It's a, a Watch blast. it with other people. That's where it's really joyful. Really? Like, it, it's just, it's so much more fun when you're like, we should have just watched this one together. Yeah. You know? Like, I would watch it again. Right? Like, I would yeah. watch it again just because it's so much I missed, I'm sure. It's a lot, but it's is good <laughs> okay does that mean it's time for scariest moment i was gonna say scariest moment yeah which i don't even know if i it took me a minute to think of mine but i have mine okay 
You go first while okay. I like ponder it. So it's when Cheryl shoves her like crusty hands through the door to grab Ash because like jump scares oh, yeah. always get me, even when I know they're coming. But like he's going to the house, he's at like peak paranoia, right. and he's like looking around, he hears something, and then everything's silent. Yeah. And it's like, ma'am, <laughs> why is ma'am? it quiet? And then just hands and like around yeah, him. Yeah. And then later, you see, this is not the scary part. It's just a dumb thing that I put in my notes. <laughs> but you see the door and it has two hand holes in it. I was like, yeah, yes, the gory hole. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> there it is. Oh, that's good. Oh, God. See, I don't. I was never really scared, so it's hard to, like, <laughs> pick a moment. Okay, I would say it's between two, and I wouldn't say that they, like, full-on scared me, but they're the most unsettling. Oh, God, it's between three. I'll just say them all. Oh, well. Um, so my favorite shot is also very unsettling. So it's when he's pulling the body, and then it's the tracking moment. It's, like, following the body, and then she pops out of the cellar, or she was there the whole time. Either way, she's there, and it, like, ends on her face in the cellar. That's pretty cool. I love that. I wouldn't say it's like super scary, but it is very unsettling. Uh, another moment was the slapping with the giggles. See, it's hard because I want to say it's the scariest moment because it's like the most unsettling, but it's yeah. also one of the funniest. Yeah, it's both. So I'm kind of like, is it my scariest moment? So when I think of the moment that genuinely like kind of creeped me out the most, I would say it's the very beginning. Oh, when they're yeah. driving in. With, like, the over-the-water shots and everything. It's, like, behind the car. Oh, yeah. That part just, like, creeped me out. Yeah. Because it's, like... It's also, like, the music is becoming tenser. You know, it's building to yeah. something, and you see the truck barreling, and it's you're, like, like, something is coming to a head, and you don't know what it is yet. <laughs> yeah, and it's, like, also just starting. So it's yeah. just, like, what? And it's very quiet as well. There's not a lot of music. It's, like, almost silent. And, like, you know, the camera, you don't know, you know, because it's supposed to be, like, a point-of-view shot, sort of. It feels like it. I wouldn't say it's supposed to be. I would say it like feels like a point of view. And I don't know why. Like I can't explain what makes it feel like a point of view instead of just a tracking shot. But part of it, it just feels like I'm something, you know? Mm-hmm. So that just really unsettled me when it's following and it doesn't, branches are hitting it and it just doesn't even stop. It never stops following the car. Yeah. And it just really creeped me out. That's spooky. So I guess, yeah, I would say that one then. Because yeah. the other two are more like, One's just a really cool shot. One's funny and scary. And this one just creeped me out. So I'd say that one. Okay. Yeah. Dope. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Is it time for qualms? I already covered my qualms. Did more you? Or less. Okay. My I'm... biggest qualms are the tree scene. Oh, because... yeah. That's my qualms. So I mean, yeah. like, I think we've covered qualms cool. at that point. <laughs> yeah, I just don't like that tree scene. No. And I mean, I'm glad that he, like, it's a shitty apology. I'm glad that he, like, regrets it. Yeah. You know, like, I'm happy to see that someone is like, yeah, that didn't need to be there. Yeah. I think that his apology could be better. Yeah. Same. But happy that uh, it's not just, it seems to be, like, a widely known thing. That, yeah. Like, that scene sucks. That scene sucks. It's too much. Yep. Cool that the way they shot it. Yeah. That's really neat. But you could have shot a lot of things like that. You didn't Yo. need that. <laughs> so, No. Much agreed. Yeah. So, uh, tropes? Tropes. Tropes. So, these were, there are three. Yeah. Uh, they're all pretty short, but I'm surprised that I didn't accidentally cover them earlier. <laughs> I think I, like, intentionally was like, no, 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 save it. Build to it. So, the first one is fake shemp. Okay. Uh, so, are you familiar with the Three Stooges? A little, but not really. Okay. So, I know almost nothing. Okay. All I know is that one of them is shemp. 
Oh, okay. And he died. <gasps> and they still had a number of like Three Stooges shorts that they had to make. And so what they did was they hired an actor to be blurry and out of focus or not oh facing the camera God. to be him. So that's a fake shop. And like, it's not, this was not like the first time this phrase was used, but yeah. like, that's what Raimi, they say that, some people say that Raimi coined the term specifically fake shemp, but the trope itself is older because right, it was okay. originally, yeah. Anyway, so when the other four actors had left, the film was only like half done and apparently like, uh, because you know, a fair portion of it is now like Bruce Campbell surviving and running and doing right. a lot of stuff. And they did a lot of outdoor scenes last. Yeah. And there also happened that basically they were watching the footage after they finished wrapping and they realized they needed a bunch of pickups and they had to have like some things shot to add in. Right. And so they just had a ton of people stand in for their characters. I knew it. Yeah. I was like watching this and I was like, why in the world would they need such a bad wig if she already has that hair? And then I was like, oh, it's because it's not her. And so <laughs> I was going through the cast list and I saw like seven people that were just listed as like fake Shemp. And I was like, well, who the fuck character is this? Who the fuck is this? <laughs> and I was so confused until I read that. Because like one of my favorite, I would say, just things about this movie in general is how they handle that one girl's hair. I have never seen so many different hairstyles for one person. First, her hair is like kind of wavy. Then all of a sudden, when she's a demon, this girl has full on like Shirley Temple curls. And I was like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. And then she's like, <laughs> she's got like long curls and short. And I was like, did you, they had to have had so many wigs get too bloody. And then they were like, fuck, we need another wig. Yep. <laughs> and I just. They're like driving to the next town in Tennessee. Like, like do you have a please, wig? Like, you bought all of our wigs. <laughs> it can be curly and that's all I need. <laughs> they were like, sure. Brown-ish, please. <laughs> <laughs> if possible. If not, no worries. Like, it's going to be bloody anyway. It doesn't matter. Exactly. So they were like, shit, just give it, give it. <laughs> just this man demanding curly wigs. Someone was probably terrified in Tennessee. Like, ma'am, the wigs, I need them. Please, this man keeps demanding curly wigs and I'm terrified. Like... <laughs> I'm dying. I can't. Okay. I knew it. Yeah. I'm glad that I'm, yep. I'm not losing it. And then this also kind of dovetails into the next one. Covers always lie. And so the cover of this movie that like we're most familiar with is the woman like oh, yeah. lunging out of the lunging, ground and the yeah. hand is pulling her back down. That's not a scene from the movie. It sure isn't. <laughs> and a lot of the promotional material was shot after the movie was finished and they only had Bruce Campbell. And so he's noticeably older, has a different haircut and the situations presented aren't in the film at all. Like, all right, Bruce, here we go again. Yep. Yep. And then the last trope is Final Girl. And that's like a trope oh, for all the yeah. movies. Like the one girl that has to survive and it's subverted. Because <laughs> you think it'll be Cheryl. Because you you she's sure like, do. she's the first to know something amiss. She's kind of artsy and quiet and reserved. And like, she boldly investigates things that scare her. But she's the first to go. <laughs> Poor Cheryl, man. And instead we get the decoy protagonist with Ash, who is not physically heroic until he has to be. And early on, as I mentioned, he spends a lot of time underneath bookshelves. <laughs> he really couldn't get out from under those bookshelves, no. could he? Poor guy. So those are my tropes. Oh, God, those were funny as hell. <laughs> Just running around demanding wigs. Now! <laughs> More curls! I know you have them. <laughs> if only I had been born, like, 
just a little earlier, I could have been the curly stand-in for mm-hmm. this girl. I was born Child to Nikki, be... like, put me in, coach, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> it's just me with just my back, like my head to the camera, and they're like, she's perfect. <laughs> I was born to do it. Oh, my God. Those were good. Those were good Thank tropes. You. Oh, That means we got to rate this movie. Yeah. Which, like, not only do I not know what to use to rate it, but I also am like, what am I going to... I don't... Ugh. Okay. I have, like, I, two ideas. I wrote some down. Okay, I want to hear yours. Let's see. I don't... This is the first time I've ever, like, wrote them down. <laughs> okay, so I wrote knife licks. That part where she has the yep. knife and she's like, what? She gives it, like, a big old lick. Yeah. Like, not just, like, a cool one. You know how in some movies they lick a knife and you're like, yeah. oh, they're scary. She licked it like she was, like, delicious. <laughs> Do you remember the scene where one of them has a knife and she, like, gets pushed back against the wall and then she, like, lifts it above her head and then yes! she puts her hand on the blade instead of the hand and was like, blah, blah, blah. Yes! And I was just like, what? <laughs> People with knives in this movie couldn't figure it out. No. And, like, it's almost more unsettling that she it doesn't is. lick it. Like, no, she she's just really goes for it, huh? Good mm-hmm. for her. Evil Giggles. Ah, uh, yes. Classic. Mm-hmm. Love mm-hmm. it. Trap Doors. Uh, milk puke and bad curly wigs bad curly wigs i love bad curly wigs okay i love yours that so that's what i have okay i had a few but i'm only gonna say two of them next dump spurt and gory holdor (laughs) gory holdor that's it (laughs) those are all of mine damn oh okay I do like girl. Girl looks like girly. Oh, oh. <laughs> sorry. And I love the curly wigs. I love oh, the curly knife wigs. The girly. The girl, God. <laughs> why? Why can't they stop saying girly? Something's on my mind. Apparently, <laughs> curly wigs stood out to me. One, just because yeah. there's so many. Yeah, there had to be so many. But also. I can't even say it because my brain wants to say girly so bad. Gory hold doors. Gory hold doors. <laughs> what a mouthful, huh? I know. It's between those for me. Okay. What are you feeling? Sorry, I got distracted because my cat is in a new place. Is she? <laughs> She's in the fireplace. Hi. Don't you dare get a taste for spider plants. Oh, I thought you were say spiders, and I was well, like, no, oh, she can yeah. eat those if she wants. Uh, what did we use last time? Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> Once we rate a movie, I'm like, goodbye. <laughs> so long. Farewell. farewell. <laughs> uh, was yours bad curly wigs? Was yeah. there like, okay. Bad curly wigs. Bad curly wigs. Bad curly wigs? Yeah. Yes. I love a bad curly wig. Okay. Do you want to do what we did before? We put up put up the fingers and see how, see if we're the same? Yeah. I like doing that. That's okay. fine. I won't do my knuckle this time. Good. Oh, but I might. Well. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not so sure. Okay. Okay, are you ready? Yes. One, two, three. Yay! <laughs> we both held up four. We both held up four. Yeah. And I didn't do the knuckle. No. I thought about it. I wanted to I wanted to give four and a half, mm. but then I was like, don't don't give her the creepy knuckle again. <laughs> um, don't give her the hook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gave it four yeah. because one, it's just wild and the shots were so beautiful mm. and out of place that I was like, I can't. It's too it's good. Even though in the beginning I was like conflicted. I wasn't conflicted because it's a bad movie. I was just conflicted because it would have been more fun with friends. Yeah. I think if I was with friends, I would have been like, five, this movie's amazing. Mm-hmm. But because I was alone, I was kind of like, oh, I wish I was with someone. Like, <laughs> so four, four, because yeah. 
the, the shots in this movie really are kind of beautiful and some are just ridiculous. So you really get as as sweet, sweet Hannah Montana told us, you get the best of both worlds. And I think that's just beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I give it four for pretty much the same reasons because like I enjoyed the movie as I was watching it and a lot of my notes were about like the practical effects. Yeah. And then as I was talking about it, I got more and more like excited and I was laughing and I was remembering yeah. like certain scenes and I was like, this is a communal movie. Yeah. And I know that I would enjoy it a lot if I were watching it with other people, especially other people that also like the movie. Yeah, exactly. I had more fun talking about it now than I did like when I was watching it because I was remembering everything and then like we were riffing and I was like, oh, this is great. This is what it was meant to be. Okay. Mm -hmm. So fair enough. I uh, Four, but probably five if I had watched it with friends. Oh, yeah. Like, even though I do have qualms, it is still just a fun movie. And I'm sure the other, like, I've never actually seen the other ones. I've seen this one a bunch. But I've not seen the other ones. Maybe it's time. I've heard they're just as buck wild and fun as this one. I want to see them. Right? Like, I'm, I'm intrigued now. I kind of want to check them out. Yes. And then we got to watch that musical. Oh, we have like to watch Like I said, only musical. musicals, but it's pretty funny. We watched the shit out of that. <laughs> we'll find it. We'll have okay. to. I saw it in uh, the little tiny Catco Theater in Columbus. Oh, yeah. It was great. We sat in the front row. I did not get blood on me, though. Oh, I had my little poncho. I was boo. so excited next time someday well yeah so that's eight bad curly wigs potentially 10 potentially 10 perfect curly wigs eight to 10 curly wigs of varying quality yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. for sure yeah so that wraps up our discussion of the evil dead yeah 1981 slash 83 83. (laughs) who fucking knows (laughs) who the fuck knows indeed (laughs) if you enjoyed your time with us we would greatly appreciate it if you'd rate and review on apple Podcasts. that helps other people find us and it just also makes us feel good and We get to see the things that you enjoy and the things that maybe we could build on. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Just Cool With It. Every Wednesday we'll post what the movie is for the week. And then uh, we'll have a ghoulish weekend tip on Fridays. And, you know, we'll tell you where you can watch the movie, that sort of shit. Usually. Generally. If you have to rent it, sometimes we'll just be like, "Eh, it's for rent. But if it's streaming for free somewhere and you just need to. to We try to always find like a free streaming platform, but sometimes it's not there. So. You can also check out our extended show notes on our website, justgoolwithitpod.com, or maybe even take a look at our Patreon at patreon.com slash justgoolwithit. The patrons at a certain tier get to do a simul watch with us. They which do. is a recreation of the original horror movie chat where we get on Discord, we all start the movie at the same time, and then we, we just go. We just watched Interview <laughs> with a Vampire, which none of us had seen, and what a wild romp. Oh, what a romp. It was so yeah. fun talking about it with everybody because I was just like, what is this movie? I love it. Oh, so good stuff. Join join the Discord. Well, mm-hmm. join the Patreon so you can join the Discord because yes. it's a blast. We we just post so much good stuff. Just a good time. Oh, it's so fun. And then we would like to take this opportunity to thank our patrons, Kim, Kelly, Nihar, Will, Rachel, Kelsey, Sula, Tim, Beth, and Kayla. Yay! We love you very, very much. Thank you. They chose this movie. so Oh, yeah. This was a patron yeah, pick. Yeah, this was a patron pick. Yeah. So thank you for choosing this because it was a blast. Oh, so um, That's another fun thing. Join the Patreon. Mm-hmm. You can eventually, like, each month they get to choose our last movie of the month. And it's always wild. <laughs> always <laughs> so, wild. I don't think they've chosen one that I haven't, like, Yeah, Cabin enjoyed. in the Woods was their choice, too. Yeah. Yeah. They and American Werewolf in London. Yeah, they're killing it. Yeah, patrons they really, really are. Love they get it. The intro and outro music was created by Anthony Rakuzel, and the cover art is by our very own Nikki Solomon. This me. Yes, you. <laughs> I, I poked my little cheeks like Shirley Temple. Yeah. 
If only I had that hair. I kind of do. Yeah. Well, we got to go buy some curly wigs. Oh my god! Well, we have to buy them out of curly wigs and then go to the next county and, and then like, frantically. I need more. We should have like caro syrup blood, like more wigs. You have them, yes. More wigs. All right. Well, yeah. if uh, if the podcast isn't on anymore, it's because we both went to jail for being looking for being looking too suspicious. We gotta end. It. I'm <laughs> we gotta go. I need a wig. I had a, I has a little get a little kid and.